Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, May 19th, 528 a.m. Central Time. Guys, the markets are actually higher this morning. Can you believe it? Yeah, <laughs> I can't. It's a nice change of pace. Um, we're going to get started this morning with yesterday's price action. Uh, Mackenzie, let's start with December corn. Yeah, so the December 2023 corn contract posted fresh multi-month lows yesterday prior to a higher close. The contract bottomed near four po- Four point four dollars and ninety one cents. Excuse me, four dollars and ninety one cents per bushel, prior to a close above five dollars. The November twenty twenty three soybean contract finished yesterday's session near unchanged after posting fresh multi month lows. The July twenty twenty three Kansas City wheat contract, however, performed poorly after rejecting a trade above its October twenty twenty two highs earlier this week. All right, Matt, this was a reversal in December corn futures. It's not a key reversal, but you went down, you made new lows, you closed higher on the day. Does this inspire you to uh, be optimistic here, or is that just a one-day blip on the radar? I guess the way I looked at it was uh, I was excited just to see a positive close, first of all. Yes, you reversed off of making that new low. How inspired am I that we're going to take off and go? I think the thing is, you know, you and I were talking about this briefly before we started, but I mean, you typically don't build this uh, kind of a fun short going into the growing season. Yes, we're talking El Nino. Yes, we're talking improved chances of rain for some folks, but you and I both know we have no idea what Mother Nature's going to throw us. So uh, I've got to think that this is a sign that we could have built at least just a little bit of a low for now, uh, give us an opportunity to kind of sort things out. And I've got to think that, uh, you know, $5 should be a low water market for the time being. But at the same time, I've been very surprised by uh, how strong this downward move has been. I would imagine that you pushed out a lot of length, whether it's weak length, strong length, uh, below $5. It's just a bad look. Uh, the soybean price action was not as good, but still you made a new low. You finished almost near unchanged. You got a little bit of follow through today. I mean, you look at these charts and they still look terrible. These are both charts that, you know, they start in the upper left, they end in the lower right. But at at some point, at some point, and it didn't have to be yesterday, but there's going to be a a short-term bottom here. This wheat is a different deal. Like you went, you kind of traded in HRW above these old highs from uh, what would have been February. And then we just fell apart. And that's despite the fact that we've got this wheat tour going on. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, just unable to hold the rally. That's not to say we couldn't come back and, and trade back up here to where we peaked a couple of days ago, but it's not the best look. Uh, let's jump to export sales. Talk about this crappy demand. Weekly U.S. corn export sales were down noticeably from the previous week. Net corn sales reductions of 339,000 metric tons for the current market marketing year, which was a marketing year low, were down noticeably from the previous week and from the prior four-week average. Accumulated corn sales for the current marketing year are down 35% compared to the same period last year. Net soybean sales for the current marketing year totaled 17,000 metric tons. The print was down a whopping 
dropping 73% from the previous week and 89% from the prior four-week average. Wheat net sales reductions of 42,100 metric tons for the current marketing year, which was also a marketing year low, were noticeable. Were noticeably uh, uh, were down noticeably from the previous week and the, from the prior four-week four-week average. Excuse me. Uh, old crop corn, Matt. We've seen net cancellations two out of the last three weeks. That is uh, not where we want to be. No, that's not where we want to be at all. I mean, in all honesty, um, I think a lot of us felt like there's a possibility the Chinese could come in and cancel, especially if, and that was a big if, Brazil looked like they were going to have a big safrina crop. And I think, you know, you're kind of betting on the come here. Uh, obviously, you and I have talked about this before, if they're buying it off of somebody that's taking it off the world market. But in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, if I was in a situation where I knew we were going to have a cancellation at some point, you know, I think that there's a lot of things you can do with that as that particular uh, grain company or uh, Ch uh, China, if you will. Uh, and so I do think that there's maybe a little more uh, manipulation to get in the market. Uh, as McKinsey and I was talking about here a couple weeks ago, I think we had several comments on on something that I'd said. So uh, I'm not saying that's your point, Joe, but I think it's pretty interesting just the timing of it. And and there's a lot of power in that cancellation. You know, the person could make a heck of a lot of money being in the right spot at the right time. We've still got problems or potential problems too. We still got two, two and a half million tons of unshipped corn sales to China. Uh, so some people fear or believe that you could see additional cancellations at the same time you know the remainder of the marketing year is not necessarily your best time for uh old crop export sales like things really start to back off here uh in terms of uh what we do seasonally um we saw some uh, this is one positive thing i'll say we saw stronger new crop soybean sales 664,000. uh china was the largest buyer then mexico uh new crop soybean prices are now competitive versus Brazil, which is normal stuff for this time of year. We're actually way behind where we need to be in terms of new crop soybean sales, but uh, we should see that start to pick up. Do you have any reason to believe that China won't do what they normally do with, with uh, new crop beans here? Yeah, I mean, I've got to think that they're going to keep coming in. Now, at the same time, I don't know that we're going to see a huge increase in demand year over year. I, th I think that those days are over. Uh, I do think that they'll come in with a pretty decent program, though. I think that they'll book a fair amount of soybeans as we move along here. My biggest question, again, is are they going to continue with more cancellations? You know, a couple of the folks that I talked to seem to think that there will be more cancellations. How much, of course, is going to be what the, uh, the big uh, question mark is. Uh, wheat export demand is absolutely terrible. I've seen it written in 200 different places this week that it would be cheaper to import wheat from Europe to the East Coast than it would be from to ship it from Kansas. And uh, I guess that's why we don't have much of a demand base. Uh, speaking of Kansas wheat, I believe that's our next story. Yep, the Kansas Wheat Tour is projecting the lowest HRW wheat yield in over two decades. The tour wrapped up on Thursday as scouts examined fields between Wichita and Manhattan. Projected yields in these in these areas averaged 44.1 bushels per acre, which was much better than areas toured earlier in the week. The three-day average wheat yield potential was estimated at 30 bushels per acre, the lowest since at least 2000. On average, tour scouts projected the Kansas harvest at 178 million bushels. This is below the USDA's estimate of 191.4 million bushels and last year's harvest of 244.2 million bushels. I don't think I'd read too much into the, um, the yield number. I think the actual crop estimate is what 
uh, is it the bigger deal to me? So the tour is is below USDA by a substantial amount. Uh, this would be the lightest. If the tour number's right, it's the lightest Kansas wheat crop since either, I think it's 1957, uh, 1963, we were below 200 as well. But this is historically bad stuff, Matt. <laughs> it is bad. And I kind of referenced it last week when you and I were on uh, U.S. Farm Report. You know, I mean, I, I understood that uh, you looked at a pretty big drop as far as the wheat crop was concerned uh, on production uh, on hard red. But at the same time, I felt like it'd be even worse. Yet uh, a couple of reasons for that were that, um, you know, the growers that I work with in that part of the world, just talking about an absolute catastrophe, first of all. Second of all, uh, I was actually out there, you know, and I was in part of wheat country where, uh, quite frankly, things looked about as pathetic as what they could look and so you know i, I guess from my vantage point i felt like uh, you were looking at uh, an even worse crop than what was being talked about it's hard to kind of get your hands around that uh, but i just felt like uh, whatever the low number uh, came in at it'd be even worse yet and so uh, there's no question that domestically here you're gonna have a pretty decent situation on our hands yeah, it's got to be frustrating, of course, if you're a wheat grower in Kansas, you see this thing printed and then you see the market fall for a couple consecutive days. Mm. Not to say that we didn't have a big rally because we did. I mean, the we market did. rallied, what, a dollar seventy-five in the course of just a couple of weeks off of those lows, mm -hmm. but not the best price action uh, the last couple of days. Now, speaking of drought, uh, we still, oh, here was the Kansas drought monitor, and I wanted to mention this. So yesterday they were Wichita to Manhattan, which is like up through here, and the findings were not as bad. The worst stuff was from that second day down in the southwest uh, portion of the state. Let's jump to the national drought monitor. Yeah, so drought is definitely still an issue. USDA released weekly drought monitor data yesterday. While drought has been reduced in many areas, the uh, many areas Areas of the country since late 2022. The central and southern U.S. plains remain problematic. So if we look at the percentage of areas experiencing drought, what percentage areas that what percentage of areas that are experiencing a certain level of drought? Corn country dealing with 25%, uh, soybeans 19%, winter wheat 46%, spring wheat 7%, and cattle country 38%. So in the Midwest or in the Corn Belt, the numbers have come down a lot. Uh, that corn number, 25% of U.S. corn areas experiencing drought, that number was 56% at the end of December. So you have seen quite a bit of uh, drought relief in these like central areas of the Corn Belt. Uh, the drought in the plains is still a big deal, uh, certainly. Um, what do you guys make of, of what's going on? in the plains in particular we've got some rain on the radar this morning that that we'll talk about what matt what do you think like the impact is in regard to planting what does the winter wheat abandonment mean for row crops do you, do you have any thoughts on any of that sort of stuff yeah i just talked to a grower actually down around liberal yesterday who was talking about he had a couple inches of rain and he said you know that gives you hope of course that you're going to prime the pump and start to get a little bit more rainfall obviously they're just at a drastic deficit but you know what does that mean for plantings you know i don't know that i think there will be much more in the way of corn plantings. I'm hearing from a few folks that if there's abandonment, they're actually going to come in and plant soybeans. So I think that'd be very interesting uh, development if that's what happens. But, you know, overall, I do think that there's probably going to be more abandonment than what people originally thought. So um, I think moving forward, of course, it's going to all depend upon what's the rainfall look like. Are you going to go ahead and plant something, uh, you know, if you're not that guy that got an inch or two of rain? I mean, right. heck, there's no sense in planting if you don't have any moisture. 
Okay, speaking of rain, we do have some rain in Kansas on the radar here this morning. Yeah, rains are pushing across parts of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Some of these rains were in the forecast, although it appears as if the system is tracking further north than what was expected. Totals are expected to be one inch or more. A separate system is moving across the Illinois-Wisconsin border. Most of the Corn Belt will stay dry over the next seven days. Rain is slated to return late next week. Uh, Matt, you guys in Illinois have are going to turn a little bit drier here at least for a week, maybe longer than that. Is there any concern or are you in good shape? I think we're in pretty good shape. To be honest, when you look around, you talk to producers in my part of the world, they're going to tell you that they've got a phenomenal start, maybe one of the best starts that they've ever seen. And so, yeah. you know, a dry um, uh, May typically is what your old timers, so to speak, will tell you is what you need for a corn crop, mm-hmm. you know, obviously root down. Uh, be honest, Joe, the last couple of years, we've had uh, guys that have told us that they've been dry the whole growing season, caught a couple of timely rains and had the best crop that they ever had. So a little bit of dryness in here doesn't bother me one bit when you look at the extended forecast this is out past like next thursday or friday they're talking a whole bunch of rain for um it's changed a little bit since yesterday but minnesota south dakota nebraska kansas oklahoma texas missouri still a little bit drier in like your central part of the corn belt but uh, they've got quite a bit of rain returning to the plains which is absolutely um a welcome deal i don't know if this is going to be a big pattern shift or not um i know some people commented in on the youtube videos yesterday like joe if we catch two inches of rain that's not a drought busting event i'm like you know it's not going to come 12 inches at a time um you're going to get an inch here inch there but if you get a, a a shift toward a wetter pattern i mean that's that's very much welcome in these areas for sure and you know and i feel for those folks i mean by all means i'm not gonna try to uh, you know throw cold water on anything yeah. uh, that they're saying but what what i would say is that if you did get 10 inches at a time most of it's going to just destroy your ground first yeah. of all and it's going to run off so two inches at a time is exactly what you'd want to see so you get a handful of systems come through here you're going to be in much better position. Uh, I know like Eric Snodgrass, for instance, been on our podcast quite a bit or our, uh, uh, webinar quite a bit here lately, you know, and he, he feels like they're going to heal up to an extent, but the bias is still going to be a little bit drier in the West. And so, you know, of course you're not going to heal it up overnight, but bottom line is I think that it at least gives you hope that finally you're starting to see this uh, pump get primed a little bit. And also this is an extended forecast. You're talking, you know, like, 10 days out. I mean, this stuff is not necessarily super reliable. Uh, Mackenzie, things are still super dry in your neighborhood. What's the general attitude among uh, people in the cattle business that you talk to when it comes to the drought? Well, it's actually improved quite a bit in the past yep. uh, two to three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. The amount of rains we've received is incredible. I'd say we've received anywhere from seven to eight inches in the past three weeks. So thing, we're still dry. There's no doubt about it. But it's just like you guys mentioned earlier, you prime the pump once you start getting these rains and I don't know. They, they usually kind of keep coming in most cases. So, I mean, it's still dry, but the outlook is much better. All right, let's get to some geopolitical stuff here. So the G7 nations plan to increase economic pressure on Russia. As the G7 summit in Japan kicks off today, the U.S. and the rest of the G7 nations plan to unveil new sanctions and export restrictions on Russia. The new U.S. sanctions and trade restrictions will target goods and services vital to Russia's military. They are also aimed at Russia's ability to extract the oil and natural gas it needs for the country's economy. 
The Biden administration will add 70 new entities to a list of companies and individuals targeted with export restrictions. The administration will also announce about 300 new sanctions against people, organizations and other parties supporting the war. Is Biden asleep in this picture? He looks like he's sleeping. Um, I don't know what Russia will do. I mean, Russia wants sanction relief, and we're going to throw more sanctions at them. Uh, they just extended the grain deal. I don't know. I just uh, Matt, do you think any of the rally that we saw in wheat had to do with uncertainty regarding the grain deal, or was that all just crop conditions and tour and all that? I got to think that if there was, it was a minimal Joe. And the reason I just think uh, the trade, if you will, is tired, you know, of, of the, of the whole situation. I, I'm tired uh, of the situation too. I am too. And it's just one of those deals where I think the trade looks at something like that and they're like, okay, what does this mean in the grand scheme of things? You know? And I think, okay, if you're going to sanction the living daylights out of Russia, then I've got to think that ultimately you'll have less commodities coming out of that region. But at the same time, is Russia going to be able to, uh, get over that hurdle probably i mean i don't know that's my personal opinion but i don't know exactly what he's trying to do here quite frankly i feel like we fumbled this whole russia ukraine thing about as bad as what we possibly could have so i don't have a whole lot of confidence here i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i don't know i don't know what the trade thinks about this it's just even if it matters it just seems like as as it relates to traders and the marketplace it just feels like a tired story now a lot of people are still talking like you know big time escalation in the war uh, but it's already, I mean, it's already mid-May and people were talking like May or June, like we're going to see this big escalation in the war and maybe that still happens. Um, I don't know. Uh, we've got a couple markets that are strong. Stock market was good yesterday. Yeah, the U.S. stock market is definitely strong. Both the S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite indices posted their highest closes in nine months yesterday. The S&P rose nearly 1%, while the NASDAQ rose 1.5%. The Dow Jones rose 409 points, or 1.2%. Investors are slightly more confident that a deal regarding the U.S. debt ceiling will be reached and that the U.S. will avoid a default. The market continues to trade earnings as well. Uh, U.S. retail giant Walmart beat earnings expectations and raised its profit outlook. The retail giant is considered an excellent gauge of the U.S. consumer situation. What do you think, Matt? Recession off? You've got to think so for now. I mean, let's just raise the debt ceiling so we can borrow more money, you know? And uh, Well, they're going to do that. I mean, that's inevitable. Well, you know that that's going to happen. It's just... It, ultimately it's a house of cards and I don't know. I mean, it, at some point who's going to pay the pipe. What's a house of cards that the country. Yeah. In <laughs> essence, I mean, we've got what $31 trillion in debt. Isn't that the number we've 31. got? 31.4. Yeah. Yep. I mean, who's going to pay for that? I don't know. There's a lot of worry. This is my technical analysis of the S and P 500. And I've, I've shown this before. Um, stock markets acted really well. Um, so, some people look at the grain markets and say, this all does tie back to the grain markets. Um, we're going to be weak. Uh, we are weak because there's a recession. I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I think we've got a pretty healthy action in the stock market. The S&P is up like 9.5% year to date. I think the grain markets suck because the demand sucks and because Brazil has monster crops. I mean, I think it's it's more supply and demand and not so much like global recession. I mean, maybe China has some issues and I, I think they do still, but I don't like I had thought, okay, we're headed to a recession and that's really bad for prices. But now I look at it and I say, okay, grain markets have, have fallen apart, but I don't know if it's because of recession necessarily. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you. I think as far as the grain markets are concerned, supply and demand definitely hops in here. We, we know that we 
you know, we essentially took prices to a high enough level that it was going to going to cure high prices. Now, yeah. the one market that I continue to talk about that I feel like you've got to worry investors, this cattle market, you know, I think, yeah. you know, on some of these days, whenever you've seen the corn market just getting bludgeoned in cattle up 20 cents or 30 cents, I'm thinking, you know, you've got the fundamentals to take this thing on higher. Maybe the timing's not right. I just feel like you've got to worry investor there. But I agree with you. Recession's not the reason why commodities have fallen. Feeder cattle market in particular has been on fire. Mackenzie, what do we do yesterday? Yeah, so both live and feeder cattle futures were up on Thursday ahead of the forecasted bullish cattle on feed report. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 283 higher, anywhere from a buck 55 to 335 higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of 78 cents higher. Fat cattle trade was slow on Thursday down in the Texas panhandle. Prices were reported at 177. That was steady with the week before. A few sales were reported in the Western Corn Belt yesterday at 178. That was anywhere from $1 to $3 higher compared to last week. Box beef was basically flat on Thursday. Choice ended the day at 298.31. That was up 16 cents. Select ended the day at 283.61. That was down 72 cents. Is the report going to be bullish? I think so. Okay. I think so as well. I, that, I think that, he, that doesn't mean that the prices have to rally, though. No, it doesn't. Here's, yeah, what, I, here's, yeah. here's what I think, and I'd be interested to hear what Mackenzie thinks, but I do think as you get rain out west, uh, eventually you're going to heal up pastures um, to where... So this is a multi-year healing event, correct? I think over the next year, like let's say you continue to build up your moisture profile. I think that in the next year, whenever people tar- start talking about a mass the retention of heifers, that's when you could see this fat cattle market sometime on the heels of it just blow off to the top side, and then yeah. then that's going to be your top. Yeah, you I haven't don't know seen when that like is, a, but... You haven't seen a blow-off top yet. Not, no. And it doesn't have to happen, but it seems like when you see a peak after a, such a, an incredible bull run, like that's kind of the way that it happens a lot of times. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that that, that potential is there. I mean, I really do. The cash market is really crazy. I mean, you look at how much over the board we're running. It's just, uh, you know, I heard about a couple of folks um, just in Illinois, actually, uh, that, that topped 180 on the high. I mean, you're talking just a few cattle, though, you know, to, to be fair about it. But still, uh, there's some awfully high price cash cattle out here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Outside markets this morning, guys. Uh, U.S. dollars a little bit lower. Stocks are up just marginally. Gold's up nine bucks. Crude oil's up 81 cents at 72.76. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us this morning. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday.